the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where we explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 22. For the next few shows, I'm going to be um, doing a family ritual series. We're going to be looking at different routines and rituals in our homes because we know that rituals and routines are so important in giving our kids a sense of security and they also establish like a family identity. There are scientists who actually spend most of their time looking at this like why is it that kids fare better in homes that have strong rituals and routines. So there are three types of routines. Just think about it. So there are these everyday three types of rituals and routines. So they're the everyday routine. I think of them as routines, like the chores we do every day. You know, it's, um, you know, Monday morning, this is the day we vacuum and it's nighttime. So we brush our teeth. So these are the routines that have like a ritual type quality because we do them every day. And then there are the daily expressions of love that are little rituals that we do to connect with one another. When we um, have, when we pick our kids up at school and we have like a special handshake with them, right? Special expressions of love that we do regularly that's kind of cement our lives. And the second type are um, celebrations of rites of passage. So these are birthdays anniversaries, graduations. There are moments that, um, you know, families kind of celebrate together when one of one family member um, goes through a rite of passage. And then the third level is um, family traditions connected to faith. So traditions around First Communion, traditions around what we do on Sunday, um, Christmas traditions, right? So that's the third level. No matter what sort of ritual, Having these rhythms in our homes create a real sense of meaning for children. Today, I'm going to be focusing on one of those daily rituals, um, maybe somewhat routine-like, the family meal. The family meal. Everybody needs to eat. And for centuries, families gathered together and broke bread. But for whatever reason, this ritual has fallen by the wayside. It's been in the news a lot. I've seen it coming up a lot in the last five years. Like I'm seeing increasing um, comments about it. I read an article in the Huffington Post that argued that the family meal was never special until the Industrial Revolution. So you shouldn't feel guilty if you don't have a meal regularly with your kids. This writer said that um, prior to the Industrial Revolution, people, you know, they 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 worked um, agriculturally, so they would come in from their own fields with with their family. So they were working together with their families in the fields, and they would come in and they would just eat to nourish themselves, and there was no nothing special about it. And she argued that with the Industrial Revolution, people were apart from their families during the day, so the meal became more um, significant. So her point was that the family meal was never important until after the Industrial Revolution. So let go of the guilt, it's not that important. Well, you might be thinking, huh? And that's how I feel. Like, I do not accept that argument because... Um, well, you know, maybe she has a point about the Industrial Revolution, but if you look at the history of food, like there are historians of food, and they will tell you how significant 
And every culture, in every culture, shared meals are so important for creating a sense of belonging, creating community, shared identity. In scripture, we read about how Jesus gathered with his disciples and ate with them. Why is that even mentioned? Like it's really important that he sat down and ate with them. He even made breakfast for them on 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 the shore. He made had breakfast prepared for them. So what 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 were they doing? It was a way of nurturing relationship, a, a sense of creating um, a shared identity. So of course some meals are utilitarian. Sometimes you just gotta. You know, you've just got to get get the meal down and you got to eat because you've got something to do. That's true. But throughout history, there have been meals that were more relaxed. And the whole purpose is to build bonds and to build memories. In particular, Jewish and Catholic feasting traditions in the family are a way of connecting to generations of people before you. So just think about those three types of rituals, the everyday rituals the celebrations of rites of passage, and the family traditions. Well, that Huffington Post writer is saying that the family meal prior to the Industrial Revolution only belonged in Category 1. It was just like a mundane thing like brushing your teeth every night. It's not that it was meaningless, but she's saying it's not really that big of a deal. Just brush your teeth together. (laughs) So... um, I think eating is actually a ritual that we see in all three levels. We share food, yes, every day. It's part of a daily routine. But we also share food at birthdays. Wedding food is always significant. And the feasts connected to religious observances, right? So they've been going on for centuries. And of course, I'm not even talking about the meal, the Eucharist. I'm not even going to talk about how significant it is that Jesus came into the world and was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. And it also means, it means, I think it means the house of bread in Hebrew, and it means the house of meat in Arabic, and that he was born in a feeding trough. I'm not even going to talk about that. That's huge. The food's super important for Catholics. Just think about though our family um, observances. So we have all three levels. We share food at birthdays, at weddings, the everyday, like those are rites of passage, and then there are religious observances. Even the food um, that is shared in the everyday type of way though, it's not always the same, right? So when my oldest son comes home, I always have his favorite foods ready for him. I put nectarines in his room because he loves nectarines. I make his favorite dishes. I keep my older daughter's favorite tea on hand. Because what what are these things? What are these things? That food is a way for us to connect through the six ways of attaching that I've talked about before. The six ways um, that we that we yearn to grow to draw close to one another and what are those physical proximity sameness i'm the same as you belonging i belong with you you belong with me significance i'm important to you you're important to me emotional intimacy and psychological intimacy so think about it sharing a meal brings you physically closer together and you're using your five senses that's so right at home with the first level of attachment, the proximity level. 
and think about how we face one another at the table, we talk, we share, we ask questions. What are we saying? You're important to me. You belong with me. I want to know about you and I want you to know me. And this is why when we see enemies, think about like political um, people who are in politically in opposition, when we see them just standing on the stage or sitting on a stage in chairs side by side, it's nice that they're there and they're going to talk. But when they share a meal together, it is more powerful because it's more vulnerable. The, 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 uh, a meal requires more trust and more of that gesture of, I want to know you and you belong here with me, right? Okay, so let me just move on here. So let me just talk briefly about why family meals are so important to a child's well-being. There is a correlation and we've known this for a long time. There's a correlation between um, homes where the family meal is um, is regular, where families regularly share a meal, and well-being in kids. Kids in these homes, and I'll post the links on um, about this. Kids from these homes are less likely to smoke, drink, do drugs, become sexually active. They do better in school they're healthier both physically and emotionally. And these kids also have better relationships with their parents. Now, many people point out that these benefits are the result of things happening at the family table that have nothing to do with the meal. So the kids are talking to the parents and they're engaging in a family ritual and it's any ritual that will produce those benefits. It's not the family meal itself. So. That might be true. And there was a study that came out a few years ago that seemed to suggest this, that they kind of, um, I forget how the study was set up, but they basically came to that conclusion that the family meal in itself didn't seem to be creating or um, leading to the positive benefits that any, it was the ritual, that family rituals ground children and give them, um, you know, all of these benefits. So I, I think it's, that's probably true, but it doesn't really matter to me. So maybe if, because the family meal is important to me, it's a ritual that I enjoy. So if you're like, oh gosh, I, oh my gosh, we just want to drive through the McDonald's drive-through, you know? So know that there are a few studies that say that there's actually nothing big and magical about the family meal that it's just that it's a ritual that's bringing the family together because what are they doing they're talking they're talking to one another and they're sharing um of themselves and and, and it's just saying that any regular ritual that you do with your kids that fosters that connection will offer the same benefits but for me i enjoy this ritual and um you know i mean i don't feel guilty if we have to skip one dinner together but this is one of those family rituals that works for me and it makes sense to me because it provides me an opportunity not only to do that um you know running the ladder of attachment and collecting my kids close through those six ways of connecting but it gives me an easy way to teach my kids manners to help them practice communicating uh, to expose them to new food, right? To share stories about their day. 
I um, posted on my Facebook page, I asked people to post like some of their family um, dinner um, practices and almost everyone said that one of the things everyone in their family loves is that they share about their day. They'll talk about the high and low of the day or something that they enjoy during the day. That conversation that practice and communication is something I really appreciate. And that's one reason I love um, family, the family dinner ritual. So, um, so anyway, for me, it's something that makes sense. But it is also true that the family meal, the family table is getting all dusty. <laughs> you know, dust is piling up and not as many people are eating dinner together anymore. And I wonder why that is. So I see many theories about this but we really i mean you can you can kind of sense it right i think we are um we're a lot more busy and nowadays um often both parents work outside the home and kids nowadays compared to when i was a kid they have a lot more um activities after school we're just busier as families even um in homes where families have dinner together, some of them admit that they don't actually eat at the table. So they, they make a meal, but it's sort of a um, grab it when you can approach where everybody just you know gets their own plate and eats when they want to. Um, but I do remember some of my friends and their homes, um, TV dinners were really cool, like they, we had TV dinners in my home, but I, I always thought that, that they weren't very appetizing. But it was a big thing back in the 70s and 80s to have like TV dinners with your TV trays and you would all sit in front of the TV together. And I wonder maybe if that is, um, you know, the beginning of the dinnertime distractions where you weren't actually really sitting down facing one another and engaging at dinner, even though you were technically, you know, eating together you were not focusing on each other, you were focusing on something else and that was a distraction. And now we have all kinds of distractions. Oh my goodness. Like it is a struggle in some homes to get people off the technology, even sitting at the dinner table. So um, that actually leads beautifully to the next segment, which is how can we dust off the family table to make this more of a ritual in our homes? And you don't have to have dinner every night together to make it a ritual. You can just decide how often you want to do it and you can make it work for you. So here are a few of my tips. And some of these are inspired by some of my Facebook um, followers who get, shared their, um, their thoughts as well. So one thing is to reduce distractions. If you can, maybe we can avoid extra, extracurricular activities on at least two or three weeknights that might conflict with dinner at home, right? So um, I know that's hard because when during sports season, a lot of you are in pain from all the driving around, but that's just a thought. And also clearly no screens at the table and maybe even no screens right before the period, right before and after dinner, so that it'll encourage people to gravitate to the kitchen and to hang out around the kitchen while dinner's being prepared. Um, Charisse Tierney, my, my uh, partner in crime at the Gentle Catholic Parenting Facebook page, she was saying that every night her family actually, they prepare dinner together, they eat dinner together, and then they clean up the kitchen afterwards, which would be ideal in my home. It does not look like that every night in my home, but 
I thought that was really lovely. Another tip, make it a priority. Make it a priority. Send the message that this is important. Eating together is important. So we can set the tone for what is important in our homes and we can set the, the give the message that um, eating dinner with our kids is more important to us than going to the gym or um, you know talking to our boss on the phone. We set the tone that this is important. Another tip, be prepared. Sometimes you will come in late, later than you expect anyway, and you, um, you can have your cupboards and your fridge stocked with ingredients for a few dishes that you can make on the fly. So I have a few dishes like this. One of them is stir fry. So I always have chicken, I have frozen vegetables, and I can make up a stir fry sauce really quickly. So that's something I can make really, really quickly. Um, so just have a few dishes like that or have a few um, freezer meals ready to go when you need them. And another tip, make it special. You do not have to put on an event but you can add simple, special little touches to your family dinners that set the tone and give your kids the idea that, wow, you know, this is really important. So I like using cloth tablecloths and real dishes and real napkins, which seems overwhelming, but I have a system. Like I have a little chair and all my um, tablecloths are folded there and I have a system so it's actually just as easy for me to do that than as it is if I used paper plates or paper napkins so um you know I do that that's something that I love you that may not work for you but um another thing I do is I that almost every night I light candles during dinner and the candles are just there I don't have to go get them they're just sitting there it's just a way for kind of marking that moment like let's be here you are special. Let's slow down. On the other hand, it's okay to be realistic. You can create rituals and habits that um, are realistic for you that look different from my habit. So if the whole cloth, the table cloth thing is making you break out in hives, just don't do that. Come up with something that you can do and know that you don't have to make home-cooked meals every day to call it a family dinner. Like you can get take out pizza and still eat at the dinner table together on plates with the candles, right? You can just make it work for you. And the, and another really good tip from my Facebook um, readers was to facilitate conversation with little table talk cards. So several moms mentioned that they have, one mom had um, Catholic trivia. I have a couple of card games. I haven't thought about using them at the dinner table because they're not really table talk cards, but there are these kind of like friendly defender cards. And so you can use those sort of conversation starters to get the conversation going. So those are my tips for family dinner. That's it for today. I just wanted to leave you with that thought that don't be overwhelmed. It's just, I just want to put that out there. Family dinner is awesome. And part of the problem for many of us is that we just get into bad habits. Well, we can get back into good habits. We can get into habits of trying to eat together with our family at least three or four nights a week, definitely on Sundays, setting that time aside to say, you're important, this is important. 
Okay, my friends, that is it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, intentionalcatholicparenting.com. There you'll find articles, links to research on parenting and child development. My book is available now, Discipleship Parenting on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble at OurSundayVisitor.com. Um, on my website, you'll also find links to um, connect with me on social media. Pray for me as I will for you. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you.